Welcome to The Way Church Service with Pastor John. We invite you to join us at 514 Smithfield Avenue in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented to you by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day. Welcome to the Way Church Service. I want to thank everyone for coming out tonight to get a portion of God's Word. Amen? Amen. First and foremost, I want to thank our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, <laughs> for making this all possible for us by going to the cross, shedding His blood for the forgiveness of our sins, and becoming the final sacrifice for our sins so we could have a new life, eternal life, spiritual life, and a new purpose here on planet Earth. We gather here to learn about our Creator and find our purpose here and use it to glorify God and to serve our Lord and Savior and one another. Our goal, this ministry has a specific goal, and that is to grow spiritually, amen, and start to handle life God's way, not our way. God's Word, which is the Bible, becomes the owner's manual to our lives, and we use it to see how God wants us to think, act live, serve, and how to treat others. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Each part of his body is very precious to God. I want to personally welcome each and every one of you to the Way Church service. We depend on God's grace, not our own power, thank God, to accomplish his will for our lives. And if you do have a cell phone, can you please silence it so it doesn't disturb tonight's service? And we'll start off with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly, merciful, loving God, thank you, Lord, for allowing us this awesome opportunity to gather together as your family to worship, honor, and glorify you, Lord, and place your name above all names, even our own, Lord, as you fight for first place in our lives, Lord. Thank you for getting us all there safely, Lord. Thank you for all your generous provisions that you provide for us each and every day, Lord, so we could live, Lord, and we're grateful for that. Thank you for the gift of life, Lord, eternal life. By believing on your Son, the Lord Jesus, for our salvation, giving us a guarantee that heaven is going to be our home, Lord. That we're not going to die. We'll always have eternal life, Lord. We'll always live. And we'll live for the glory of you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the people in the ministry that serve so faithfully, Lord. We're grateful for them. We're grateful for everyone in our family, Lord, and the families around the world, Lord. I pray for this great nation, Lord, that you keep your healing hand upon it, Lord. Please, Lord, and we lift and honor our officials, Lord, that are over us, Lord. Please, Lord, put your spirit in their hearts, Lord, so they can rightly run this country, Lord, through your principles, Lord, not ours. Thank you, Lord, for saving us, Lord. Thank you for each other and this congregation, Lord. And as always, let everything we do tonight be led by your spirit and not our flesh. And it's in Jesus' mighty name that I pray. Amen and amen. All right, we're going to stand and worship the Lord and we're going to get started. The girls are going to come up and sing. I'm 
song that is, isn't it? Do what you are famous for. Saving souls, amen? Bringing dead bones to life again. Oh boy, what an awesome God. How's everybody doing tonight, alright? It's good to see everybody as always. I'm just so grateful to be here tonight. God is good, amen? As uh, days get darker out there, we get brighter in here, right? For all to see, and it's an awesome thing. Uh, I always find that sense of comfort here. You know, with my brothers and sisters, because it's really hard to, you know, people that aren't like-minded to try to, you know, we got to live by example out there, but it's really hard because the example out there is way different, amen? The total opposite of what the Bible tells us to live, you know, so we just have to be graceful and merciful and be patient with difficult people and grow in grace and knowledge, amen? It's not easy. We can't do it in the flesh. That's why we have Jesus, all right, let's turn to Isaiah 55 before we get started with our service, our message. And now's the time to just relax and put all your cares aside. 
And the Holy Spirit is going to take over into the church tonight. So let us be attentive and watchful of each other and considerate for each other. Amen? Amen. All right, Isaiah 55, verse 1. Awesome scripture. Invitation to the Lord's salvation. Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. Even if you have no money. Come and take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Listen to me and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. What's he talking about? Eat what? Learn the word of God. Remember he told a prophet, I want you to eat this scripture. What I want you to do is internalize it. I want this to become part of you. I'm going to give you my heart, but your mind has to get renewed now. And i got to get this word in here so I can live this way. Now listen to what it says in verse 3. Come with your ears wide open. Come to church with an open mind and an open heart. That's just what it's saying. Listen and you will find life. The message in the church through the word of God always brings life. Amen? And as we come to church, the, de the devil always tries to distract us. It makes us think of things that's going on in the world or things that's going on in our lives. Instead of getting what we need to feed us to handle all that. Amen? We have to always refocus. Listen and you will find life. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. I will give you all the unfailing love I promised to David. See how I used him to display my power among the peoples? I made him a leader among the nations. You also will command nations you do not know, and peoples unknown to you will come running to obey, because I, the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, have made you glorious. When you become a believer in Jesus Christ, the Lord God made you a glorious citizen of heaven. He sees you like he sees Jesus, amen? And it was nothing you had to work for. Thank God. Because if we had to work for it, we'd never get it. Amen? It's a gift from God. Now look what it says in verse 6. Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he is near. Let the wicked change their ways. So it's all about change. And banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord, that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God, for he will forgive generously. Amen? Our God is a loving, forgiving God. Amen? And he will forgive us. He always wants us to come to him when we have weaknesses and failures. Amen? Not away from him, but to him. Now look what it says in verse 8. This is the creator of everything that exists. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. Just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. So, God's ways are higher than our ways and better than our ways. Amen? We have to understand that. <laughs> and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Look at verse 10. The rain and snow come down from the heavens 
and stay on the ground to water the earth. They caused the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. You hear that now? With my word. I send it out. See, God sends out his word through me. Okay, right now he's sending out his word and he's using me to send it out. Amen? Amen. Now it says, I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I wanted to, all I wanted to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. Amen? So this is what makes me joyous no matter what, what I see or what's going on. When I send out the word, God says it's always going to produce fruit somewhere. I don't know. I might not see it, right? But he says it always will. Just go and do it. Amen? It's a walk of faith. Sometimes I don't see anything happening. But God says it is happening. Amen? And sometimes you don't see anything happening in your life. But he is working in you and through you to make you like him through all circumstances in your life. Because his ways are higher than our ways. Amen? All right. Let me ask you this question before we get started. How many try to figure out God? How many try to help him out? I'm going to help God out with this situation. Not only am I going to let him do it, but I'm going to help him do it. Then he says, no. You have to stay out of it if you want me to do it. Amen? Because when we get in the way of it, it always messes it up. That's why he says that. Okay? So that was a great message there. Thank you, uh, Mary. Now, before we go into our service, I want us to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Does anybody know what that, that scripture is? Yeah. You do? <laughs> or you, if you don't, you're gonna. Because the Bible says, when you read it, come to church and study it, this is the kind of love that I put inside of your heart for you to become. Because we have to become this. We don't have it, do we? No, we are becoming this way. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and we're going to read verse 4 as a family to verse, to verse 7. How's that? Everybody got it? Yep. Pretty soon we're going to know it by heart because we're always going to remember this. All right, verse 4. Ready? Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or, pro or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Wow, now that's some awesome kind of love, isn't it? I'm not there yet, are you? I got a long way to go when I tell somebody I love them. That's the kind of love that God put inside my heart. There's something blocking that, though. It's my heart. My heart has conditions on it and limitations. God says, no, there's no limits on my heart. This is how I love you, John. That way. And he says, now that I love you, I want you to love yourself that way. This is something that we have to become because we don't always love ourselves this way. We put conditions on the way we live and act and treat each other, right? He says, if you put conditions on that, you're going to put conditions on other people's love. So first you have to learn how to love yourself unconditionally and accept where God has you. How many of us in here strive for perfection? How's that working? There's only one perfect one, that's Jesus. And he's molding us and shaping us 
And it's going to be a process till we go home to be with him. You have to make peace with that. we got this ugly sin nature that don't want us to change. How many of us that sin nature work in their lives today? And how long have you been reading the word of God? So now you know how powerful sin really is, right? But now we're going to talk about something even more powerful. If used correctly, and that's God's grace. Because where sin abounded, grace much more abounded. So grace, the Bible says, is more powerful than sin. Can I get an amen for that? God gives us the grace we need to come up out of us in nature and into our new nature. And it can only be done by His grace and His grace alone. Because every time we try to do it, we fail. And that's why you get miserable Christians. We try to do it in the flesh, something that only the Spirit can accomplish through us. Amen? And that's something we're learning, correctly? Okay. Now, like anything else, when somebody has power, like we do, power can be used in two ways, for good and for evil. God's grace is powerful, but it can be used for the wrong reasons. And it can be used for the right reasons. You can use the power of God's grace to actually do wrong. And you can actually use the power of God's grace to do right. Can I get an amen for that? So we have to understand, any kind of power can be abused, right? Even any kind of government power, anybody in power can abuse that power. And you've seen it through over time, right? And it happens in church too. People abuse God's grace. To use it for the wrong reasons. To satisfy their ungodly sinful nature. Is that going to help you anywhere? No, God's grace is not going to help you in that circumstance. It's only going to make it worse if you use the, wrong, the power for the wrong reason. Because God gives us a choice. He says, I'm never going to take away. I give you the power to come up out of it, but you have to make a choice whether you want to use it for that or not. Ooh, that's a hard choice, isn't it? Because sometimes we like that nature. And we could use God's grace to continue in it. Because we're human. Human beings like the flesh. And we use God's grace to stay in it. And all of us fail in that area. Who can honestly say they never use God's grace for the wrong reasons? Are we all on the same page here? Okay. And how many of us are trying to use it for the right reasons? We are. But we have to be taught how to use it the right way. And it's really powerful if it's taught properly. If it's taught, if it, you could twist any kind of scripture to your own destruction. God's grace is to save us. Save us from ourselves. Amen? All right, let's get into our message now. We're going to get into God's grace. Oh, it's just so awesome. How it works. How many of us want to use God's grace for good? All right, let's go. Let's, let's, let's use it for good. Okay. I'm going to just tidy this up a little bit, and we're going to what we were talking about last week. Everybody with me so far? All right, pay attention. It's going to take a lot of attention because the devil's going to try to distract you from this because he wants you to use it for the wrong reasons. And God wants to give you the right reasons. That's why you're in church. Amen? Okay. The grace of God and how it works is going to be our subject in our lives. It's arguably the most important concept for you to understand and live by in the battle to become godly. Because it is so important, the enemy of our souls has created much confusion and controversy on this topic. Can I get an amen for that? But if you can fight your way clear of this 
and understanding and applying God's grace, you will experience a close relationship with God through this and a consistent victory over sin. Amen? How many of us want to be victorious over our sin nature? You never really understand how powerful your sin nature is until you try not to obey it. Right? Because the way we used to live, we obeyed, we obeyed our sin nature and the devil, the commander of the unseen world. But now God says, I'm going to give you the power to obey me. Something you could never do before you found me. And something you're never going to be able to do without me. Amen? It's a daily, it's a daily walk with him. Amen? As we're doing the daily walk. How's that going along? Everybody on page with that? All right. Don't worry. I said if you fall behind, don't beat yourself up. God's not looking for perfection, just faithfulness. Every Christian should read the Bible from cover to cover continuously because that's how we change. It's the Word of God that changes our thought process. Amen? That's why we read it. All right, so let's just recap. We're going to go, let's see. Last week we talked, we were in Titus chapter 2. I want us to go, I want to just start, um, all right. The message we're going to talk about, right? The message corrects both of these serious misconceptions about God's grace, okay? Paul shows that God's grace, first it saves us, first the, God, the grace of God saves us, and then it trains his people for godliness and good deeds. See, here's what happens in Christianity. People always say, well, we're saved by grace, not works, so I don't have to work. No, we're saved unto good works. We're saved so we can do the things that God planned for us long ago. Amen? We don't do it because we have to. We do it now because we want to, because we have new desires in us. Amen? But unfortunately, we still have old ones that fight for that. Right? Now, have you experienced the power of God's grace that brings salvation or deliverance from that? If so, you're a changed person. You're a new creature. That's what it talks about being born again. People say, well, that's weird, being born again. How can, remember Nicodemus said, how could a person go back in his mother's womb and get born again? He says, no, you're born again spiritually. I'm going to give you the power through my spirit to actually live a godly life. Something you can never do without me. And something you'll never do without me. Amen? Amen? The problem is with Christianity, we work on a merit system in the world system, and we always think we have to perform for God. And if I go to church faithfully, read my Bible faithfully, then he's going to be happy with me. That's not how it works. It's not worked on the merit system. It's worked on the faith system. Amen? We have to walk by faith, not by sight, or what we're seeing in ourselves. How many of us think that we should be further along than we are? Oh, that means like God doesn't know what he's doing, right? No, God is on time, right? We're impatient because we live in America. I want instant coffee, instant this. I want drive-through spirituality. You mean I can't drive through and get it? No. It takes time. Listen, Christians have to give us a lot of room to grow. We need a lot of room to grow. God gives us a lot of room to grow. Do you give yourself a lot of room to grow? And the next question is, do you give others room to grow? The most important thing is to let the Holy Spirit work in people's lives and not get in the way of it. It only sets you back and sets them back. 
Can I get a big amen for that? His ways are higher than our ways. All right, go to Philippians 1 now. Now we're going to get going. Are you convinced that the grace of God is powerful? Look at verse um, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Apostle Paul, talking to the Philippians. Now, God is talking to the people in Pawtucket right now. That's just what he's talking about. This word is just as alive as it was then. Amen? All right, so pay attention. And look what he said in verse 6. I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, see it? Not outside, inward will continue His work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Alright, see it? So He's always, this is, this is going to happen for the rest of our lives. You have to make peace with that right off the bat. And not put time frames on God and spirituality. One day at a time for the rest of our lives, He's going to mold us and shape us into His image, and He's going to give us the grace and the power to do it. Amen? Okay, now that's settled. Now look what it says in verse 11. Look at verse 11. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation. What's the fruit of your salvation? Here it is. I'm going to tell you what it is. The righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. Now what does he mean? The righteous character produced in your life. By Jesus Christ. Well, how does the righteous character. In your life by Jesus Christ get produced. What's, the, what's Jesus Christ? It's the word. Exactly. The, it's, it's, look what it says. The righteous character produced in your life. By Jesus Christ. Which is this. This is what produces the righteous character in your life. Not Jesus on the wall. The picture. It's the word of God. Jesus is the word. So if you're not reading the word, your righteous character cannot be produced. Can I get an amen for that? You have to read the word for his character to be produced in you. There's no way around it. Do you want his character produced in you? Well, then it tells you how to do it. And that's how you're filled with the fruit of your salvation. This is what fills you. And this is what produces fruit from your salvation. The reading of the word of God. Now, look what it says. For this will bring, uh, this will bring much glory and praise to who? See, it gives glory and praise to God, that character produced in your life. All right, now go to Philippians chapter 2. You with me so far? So I read the Bible so the righteous character can be produced in me and the fruit of my salvation can be shown. That's why I read the Bible. Okay. Now look at verse 12 of Philippians chapter 2. How are we going to, how do we do this though? Tell me it's not, tell me, is it, how do I do that? Even though I read the Bible and I study it, I can't do it still. Right? I can't do it. No, you can't. He's 
the one that does it. You understand? You understand when you do something that's not in your sin nature, the glory has to go to God's, his nature. He's the one who did it, not you. Through you. People want glory for themselves when they say they didn't do something. The glory has to go to who? God. Because if you could have did it yourself, you wouldn't have needed a savior. So now that he did save you, he's saying, I want you to glorify me with that. Get it? People get all proud and think that they accomplished it. He says, no, I accomplished it through you. Now look what it says in Philippians 2 verse 12. They're friends. <laughs> he calls us his friends. You always followed my instructions when I was with you. Apostle Paul talking to the Philippians, he's talking to us now. And now that I am away, it even, it's even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Do you see it? Work hard to show the result of what you're learning. Obe How do I do it? Obeying God, which is obeying His Word, with deep reverence and fear. You have to have a healthy reverence and fear of God. And if you read the Bible from cover to cover, you will develop one. Because if you see how he worked through the Old Testament and for his people, you will have deep reverence and respect for God. Because he can snuff you out, he can put you in light, he can take you out in a minute. This is how you obey him, with deep reverence and fear. Look what it says now. For God is working in you. See, God is, look, you believe in Jesus? God is working in you right now. Look what he's doing now. He's giving you the desire. First he gives you a desire. Then he gives you the power to do what pleases him. Can I get an amen for that? You cannot do it in your own power. The power is in the grace of God. Can I get an amen for that? Amen. Now look what it says. Go to 14. Verse 14, do everything without complaining and arguing. Oh, I guess I failed today. Did everything you do today, did you do without complaining and arguing? Well, then who was working, God or you? Then you say, well, I'm going to church. Well, yeah, you were going to church, but you're still doing things your way. God says do everything without complaining and arguing. So if you could just humbly admit that I can't, but I can through him, then you'll be able to do it. Other than that, you'll never be able to do it. We complain about everything. We complain when it's too warm, when it's too cold, when it's snowing, when it's too hot, when it's raining, when it's not. Oh, we need rain. Oh, why is it raining? Is it true or not? He says, do everything without complaining and arguing. Say, what? There's something wrong here. My mind is corrupted. It complains. The world system puts it in complaint mode. The word system puts it in being grateful mode. I'm grateful that it's raining. I'm grateful that it's cold because it kills the bugs. See, it does. The cold weather, they can't live in it. It kills them. Right? And if you notice, it cleanses the air. The air is more fresher when it's cold. 
Even though it's cold, you can sense the cleanliness of it. It kills things. God, look, God does. God knows what He's doing. You know, we don't. We try to create the weather. He says, "No, I put the weather there for a reason, and it's for your benefit." Then we complain about that. We complain, "Oh, the weatherman was wrong." No kidding, because he doesn't God. The weatherman's not God. You're putting your faith in the weatherman, right? People plan their whole week by the weather, right? And then when it don't come through, so what? Oh, the weatherman, they stink. They're wrong. <laughs> yeah, hello. They're not the ones who made the weather. God is. He's in control of the weather. If, it, if God's will, it's going to be a nice day, right? If not, it's still a nice day. If you understand the sun is always out, you know that, right? All right, see, now he says, all right, so now we already know that we need to make some changes because we still complain and argue. It has nothing to do with outward stuff. It's inward stuff. We complain about everything. And we're Christians. And we complain about everything, yet we have everything. Think about it. What don't you have that you have a reason to complain about? <laughs> then you say, what? What's up? what? I can't do it. Look what it says. Why do I have to not complain and argue? Because verse 15, and this is why the churches are a mess, so that no one can criticize you. This is what the unbelieving world sees. Complaining and arguing and people that go to church. So remind me, what's the difference between a believer and an unbeliever? You get criticized for it. So what are you complaining for? I thought you guys are going to heaven. Look what it says now. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. How the heck am I going to do that? Because I was part of them crooked and perverse people. He says, yeah, I'm going to take you out of that, give you a new nature, and train you how to do it. See, we have to be taught how to do that. Have you not noticed we can't do it? We have to be trained how to do it. And that takes time. Say you've been walking with the Lord for a couple of years. You're a couple of years old spiritually. You're still going to complain and argue. Three, four years, still going to complain and argue. Four or five years. And if you're not reading the Word of God and getting fed, you're always going to complain and argue. As a Christian grows, their, growth, their need for the Word of water or the Word of God grows too. You have to read it more and more. People think, well, I read the Bible. I don't have to read it again. What Bible are you reading? You have to read that continuously. That's the only thing that's going to renew you. It's going to renew this mind. You have to read it, though. Listen to me. You have to read it from Genesis to Revelation. Don't skip it. It's a progressive revelation on God's character and how he works and how he reveals himself to his people. Everybody has to do it that way. Don't listen to the way people tell you to do it. Any book you buy, what do you start in the middle? Did you ever buy a book and start in the middle and get the whole plot? Well, how are you going to get the whole plot about God's revelations if you don't read it from jump? Doesn't that just make sense? People say, well, maybe you're going to read John and talk about his love for us, or maybe Romans. Well, where in the Bible does it say start there? That's people telling people what to do. Instead of saying, 
God told me to read it from the beginning to the end. Got any amen for that? Okay. And he's given us the desire and the power to do it. Because you know it as well as I do. Sometimes it's hard to open this book. Even as a Christian. Because I'm... You know, you start reading at the end of the day, right? I'm going to start reading. <laughs> Put you right to sleep. Can I get an amen for that? You know what we have to do? We have to, have to give God the best of us. That's what he wants, the best of us. What do you get up fresh in the morning? Read it or find the time when, you're, when your mind is ready to accept what he's trying to tell you. Don't, don't give him the last of you. Give him the best of you. And then he will give you the best of him. You understand? But we still put him last. He says, seek me first and everything else will fall into place. We never give him the chance to do it. We're just being real here, right? Come on. We're just being real. Even me. i got to fight for that too. You don't think I'm any different for me. The devil don't want me in that book. It's not his power. The book is, this is the power that God gives me to give to you. And if I get out of here, I'm going to get you out of there and we're all going to become like the devil. I have to stay in this and faithful to it. And so do you. So we don't get tripped up by false teachers. And that's why I tell you, you have to read it for yourself. So important. And God gives us the grace. The grace. We need a lot of grace to read that book. Let's be honest. Sometimes we read it and comprehend none of it. Can I get an amen for that? Am I the only one that reads it? Sometimes, what did you read? I don't even, I don't remember. What is that? God said, I didn't give you a spirit of fear and tenderness, but power, love, and a sound mind. Why is your mind scrambled eggs when you read my word? That's just the devil trying to not let you get it. But it's getting in there. Don't ever think because you don't remember it. It's not getting in there. Because the day's going to come when you get tested, you're going to remember the scripture. It's getting in. It's get, don't ever not read it. Even if you think you're getting nothing, it's getting in there. How many of us think that they're not getting anything? Sometimes, right? Sometimes our minds are all over the place and we read it. But that's good to develop a spiritual discipline for when it, the clouds clear, you can get what you need to get. Amen? Amen? These are the disciplines we have to develop. Okay, amen? amen? Okay. That's what we have to do. Okay, now I'm going to give us a principle. God's grace trains us who are saved in godliness. Like it says in Titus chapter 2, verse 12. Okay? This is, this is all revolving around Titus chapter 2. It's a principle now. The grace trains us or instructs us. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reiterate on this. Verse 12 to 14. Everybody there? Titus. Titus chapter 2, verse 12. Find it. <laughs> All right. Ready? 
I'm definitely ready now. I'm just getting warmed up here. <laughs> hey, you know, we're all on the same team, you know. I mean, I'm, I ain't no better than any of you. You know that, right? As a matter of fact, I'm worse. God says, I'm going to make something out of something out of nothing. He says, I'm going to show you my power. And boy, is he showing me his power. He's showing some power in me that I never thought I could have. I mean, I've overcome some things that I never was able to overcome. I mean, God, I mean, people come up against me and I still smile and I still help them. I'm saying, how the heck can I? That ain't me. <laughs> me, I keep score. I come from the street. I keep score. You do something to me, man, I'm just waiting. <laughs> I forgive you, but I'm waiting. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, I forgive you, but I'm just waiting. Right? And I'm like, I can't, I'm not like that anymore. I'm like, what am I waiting for? The only thing that's going to change them is me getting them to Jesus. Me not getting evil. We're going to fight evil with good. So I got to do something good, like help them. That's something that only God can do. I can't do that. I can't. Can you? All right. Let's be honest there. That's why you understand when it's God and it's you. I understand the difference. I know who I am without God. And now I know who I am with him. I'm able to do all things through him that strengthens me. All things. I'm like, all things? Yeah, he says, all things. I've given you that power, John. All of you have that power. You just got to learn how to harness it and use it. It takes time. Now look what it says in verse 12. And we are instructed, or we are being trained to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should. Doesn't say that we have to. See it? It says we should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. And look at verse 13. While we look forward with hope to that wonderful day. That wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ will be revealed. Look what it says in verse 14. Do you want to know why Jesus died? He's going to tell you right now. You don't have to go anywhere else to find out why he died for you. Look what he said. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin. To cleanse us and to make us his very own people totally committed to doing good deeds. How could you say good works are not included after you get saved? They get such... You get both sides of it. People say, oh, you want the God's grace? You don't have to work for salvation. No, salvation works. It produces something in us that we couldn't produce before, which is good works and good deeds of every kind to glory God, glorify God. People twist the scripture to their own destruction. He didn't save us to stay, live idle lives. He saved us to live new lives. Lives that we could never live before him. Amen? Amen? All right, the word instructed means training. I'm going to define instructed. He says we're instructed to furnish with knowledge by a systematic method. What's the systematic method? The word of God. That's how we're trained, right? To furnish with orders or directions. Where do we get our orders from? We get our, just like you get your orders from your boss, you get your orders to live the spiritual life through your boss. God, he's the boss. He tells you how to live and how to act and how to speak. 
But if you don't obey, if you don't reverence him, you're not going to listen. You're going to rebel against him. You're going to do things your way. You get it? But, how, but see, the world, you do things your way when you go work for someone, you get fired. Thank God he doesn't fire us. This boss don't get rid of us. He don't fire us. But he does correct. Listen, don't think that he don't correct you, though. Don't think you can get away with it. He trains us unto godliness. And to train us unto godliness means get put into death ungodliness. And that's a struggle. And sometimes he has to cause some pain to get rid of it. So we don't want it anymore. Can I get an amen? Yes. All right. And it's to furnish us, instruct us to furnish with information. I'm just giving you a definition of what instruct is. The information is in the word of God. Do we listen to that information though? That's the question. It includes teaching, but also correcting and disciplining. Can I get an amen? amen? It is a process that begins at salvation and continues until we stand before the Lord. It's never going to stop. You never arrive. Can I get an amen for that? Amen. We never arrive. Okay? Now look what it says. But note that great, listen. Note that grace does not mean hang loose and live as sloppily as you please. Rather, grace trains, grace now trains, disciplines, instructs us in godly living. Paul mentioned some ways that grace trains us. Okay, first principle. Grace trains us to deny ungodliness or godless living. What's godless living? Living without God. <laughs> What's godless living? Living your way, not his way. That's godless living. So, oh, I'm not ungodly. No, if you're doing anything that's not his way, it's ungodly. People think ungodly, oh, that's the devil. No, ungodliness is your way. God's way is godliness. See? Don't make the, it's so simple. Well, do I live ungodly? Yes, we all live ungodly. We all live by our own ways. Because if you live by God's ways, there would be no reason for any, any correction. Can I get an amen for that? We're rebellious in nature. We have to be trained. Grace, listen, grace trains us to deny ungodliness, godless living, and worldly desires, which is sinful pleasures. As it says in 2.12, when you experience God's unmerited favor, listen now, in Jesus Christ, it motivates you to want to please Him in everything that you say and do. How many of us want to please Him? What gets in the way? See, you're so smart. You can't say, oh, it's them people, it's that job, it's that. No, it's your flesh. It's, you can't blame it on anything. Like, it was, it was the devil that made me eat the fruit. Remember, he blamed the devil. No, the devil didn't make her do anything. She made the choice. He just tempted her. Right? Then he asked, Adam, what happened? Oh, it was the woman that you gave me that made me eat the apple. <laughs> We've been passing the buck ever since. Why are you all so angry? Well, if you didn't talk to me that way, I wouldn't be angry. If you didn't do this, I wouldn't have did that. Yeah. We've been passing that ever since. Right? That's ungodly, by the way, to blame it on somebody, to justify your behaviors. Oof. Everybody thought, oh, I'm ungodly, it's just the devil. No, no. Ungodly is living your way instead of his. Very simple. Okay? 
As you read God's word, you begin to realize that there is much in your life that, that displeases the Lord. Okay? Who gave himself on the cross to save you from God's judgment. So you begin walking on the path that Jesus described as denying yourself daily, taking up your cross and following him. Remember we did a study on that? Denying yourself, taking up your cross and following him. It's a process, right? Like it says in Luke 9.23. This includes saying no to ungodliness or godless living. Now everybody thinks that godless living is doing something evil. No, godless living is simply living your way instead of God's way. It could be doing something good, but God's not included in it. This refers to a person who does not reverence God and thus lives by ignoring God. It obviously refers to the person who is openly immoral or evil, but it also includes the outwardly nice person who simply has no place for God in his life or to glorify Jesus. His everyday life is organized, motivated, and run by self with no place for God. You get it? That person who has tasted God's grace will say no to such godless living, okay? When you taste God's grace, you want to glorify God, not yourself. You see, everybody says, oh, they're a good person. Yeah, no kidding. That, that does not make you a godly person. That's the merit system again. When you do a good deed, it's to glorify God and to show that you have a Savior, that you're doing something that you could never do without Him. And you must say no to worldly desires, which are sinful pleasures. What's a worldly desire? It's a sinful pleasure. This refers to desires that are characteristics of this world system that is opposed to God. This world system is opposed to God. John describes them as the lust of the flesh. Okay? The lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life. 1 John, let's go there. We're going to close with this. We're going to run out of time. We're out of time, but I'll keep you coming back for more. Trust me. <laughs> I hope. Look, this is not to beat you up. It's to teach you and build you up. First, you have to understand what, 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 what it is before you can actually do anything about it. You have to understand the Word of God before you can do it. And that's what I'm here to help you do. Look what it says in verse 15. John cha 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. It tells us, Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, or the things it offers you, you do not have the love of the Father in you. Do you see it? Very plain and simple. If you love the world system, it says you don't have the love of the Father in you. Now, does it say that I can't have anything in the world system? No, it doesn't say that. Don't get it wrong. There's things in the world system that we have to do. But it's saying we don't use them as God. We don't use them over God. We don't love them over we love God. You know we still have to go to work. You know we still have to earn a living. You know we still have to drive. You know we still need the things of the world because God gives us the things of the world for his glory. It says not to love them. What does it mean? Don't love them more than you love God. 
That's what it means. It doesn't mean you can't. See, people get so messed up with this, saying, oh, that means i got to give up everything. <laughs> Everybody's an extremist. It doesn't mean that. It means you shouldn't love the things of the world over your father who created all the things in the world. Amen. You're loving the things he created over the creator. And that's evil. It tells us not to love him. Look what it says. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure. A craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. That's the flesh. These are not from the Father. Do you see it? Let me just read it again. The world offers a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. And then it says, these are not from God. It says they're not from the Father. Where are they from? They're from this world. And who controls this world? You see, you see, the Bible is clear with this. But we, look at, <laughs> but they're from this world. They're not from the Father. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. Now, here's what it says. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. You see? All you have to do is live for the glory of God, and you'll live forever. That's what salvation is. Instead of living for yourself, you live for God. That's eternal life. When life to live will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. Have you noticed nobody's taking everything with them when they go? The Egyptians tried to do it. They went in the tombs. They went in the, th in the things. They put all the gold and the jewelry and everything on. And what? People go in there and grab it all, right? Because they didn't take off with them. They didn't go anywhere. It's still in there. So you ain't taking anything with you. Nothing of eternal value is material. This is this has what I'm doing right now has eternal value to me. I might not be getting rewarded down here for it, but I'm definitely going to get rewarded up there for it because I'm doing it for His glory, not mine. It's called sacrifice. <laughs> All right, this include they include selfishness. Pride, seeking after status and power, greed, lust, and living for sinful pleasure rather than finding pleasure in God above all else. Grace trains you to say no to these things because God and His grace are far sweeter and more powerful than sin and anything else the world can offer us. Amen? Grace trains us to live with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God in this present age. 2 Titus 2, verse 12. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. You take that home with you. Wisdom, righteousness, and a devotion to God. All right, we're going to stop there. Thank you for letting me share that with you. Just listen, God doesn't want to take away anything from you. As a matter of fact, He wants to give you more than you already have. And be able to appreciate everything you have. Instead of what? Complaining and arguing. Being grateful and thankful in all things. Something that we can't do without him. Amen? Amen. Alright. We're going to close there. The girls are going to come up and sing. And we're going to close.
girls. That was beautiful. Bobby, you want to close us tonight? Thank you. I know the year 2020 is a bad year for a lot of people. It says in Romans, the Apostle Paul wrote in 54, he said, What was written in the past was for us, that we may have patience and comfort and hope. In Psalm 23, King David wrote, He lies by the still waters. And what that is, Count on God's trust. And I don't know about the rest of you, but I trust in my God that 2021 will be a better year. Yeah. The, the leaders of this country will listen to God. And God will form them the way he wants to form them. To lead this great nation we live in. Follow our heads, fellow Christians. Oh God, we thank you for this day in our lives. Father, we thank you for this word we've heard this evening, Heavenly Father. We thank you for this place where we can come and worship and glorify you and hear your word and see our fellow Christians, Heavenly Father. Yes, Lord. But we need them, Father. But we are family. We are your family, Heavenly Father, as your word says. And Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for everything you've given us in this day in our lives. Yes, Lord. And we thank you for getting us here, Heavenly Father. We thank you for this great nation you've given us, Heavenly Father. And Heavenly Father, please guide the leaders of this great nation you've given us. We have freedom here, Heavenly Father. We have so much. We don't know. You have, you have blessed this great nation. You have blessed us, each and every one of us. We're here, Heavenly Father. We have food in our stomach, Heavenly Father. There are people out there who don't even have a place to go when it's warm. And Heavenly Father, please, we are a family, and let us have, let us help these poor people out there. So that's why you put us here. Yes, that's Lord. why you give us the resources. Yes, we are only stewards of it. Yes, Lord. Heavenly Father. And we praise and honor you. And Heavenly Father, give us travel and mercy this day, that we may come here again, Heavenly Father. And all the house says, Amen. Amen. Thanks, Bobby. Thanks, everybody. Have a great night. Until we meet again, God bless. Peace. Peace. Peace.